welcome to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. Whether you feel that you don't have enough money to start investing or are under the preconceived notion that investing is only for the wealthy, Magnus and his expert guests are here to help you. Now here is your host, Magnus Carter. Hi, everyone. Thank you to the show. We have another fun-filled show ready for you today. Uh, as you know, last week we had a very good conversation with a, a voiceover expert, AJ Duquette. Uh, he is also my narrator of my Making More Money For You books. And we took a little bit of a dive into his world and what makes it so hard and so special for an author or anybody seeking for uh, voice talent, what they go through, the training and the equipment that they have. And, you know, it's not just, you know, we get a whole, you know, we only see the, the finished product, but we also, we took a, t- a little bit of a deep dive into what actually goes into making it and why we're, why we pay for it. You know, the, the costing of it is um, a little high for some people and not enough for others. So I thank AJ for being on the show for that. And I thank you for tuning in for today because today we have a really good show, especially we're going to go down memory lane a little bit. We're going to go into a little bit of today's topics uh, um, because what I'm actually talking about is cars. Cars have been through part of our lives since like the 1800s when, you know, Henry Ford, made the first car and you know after that everything changed for us uh, as a civilization and for me to do that i have a longtime friend and a good uh, person that's been in the auto industry for over 20 years now um i have cj young here with me with uh, cj young's uh, upholstery shop uh cj welcome to the show hi magnus great to be here thanks for having me on oh absolutely I, i'm glad glad you have made some time out of your uh your busy schedule because I know you're extremely busy with doing cars and um, all sorts of cars and whatnot. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a backstory on uh, what you actually do to uh, that got you into this, in, into the auto industry and especially upholstery? Okay. Well, I really have my dad to thank for that. Um, he was always into cars while he was growing up and he grew up in the muscle car era, you know, and, that's where, you know, he learned how to do, you know, all, all the kind of, you know, work that we, we do. <laughs> uh, but I uh, have always been interested in cars, you know, from being little. Uh, I always had the, the Hot Wheels cars and uh, the Smoking the Bandit Trans Am was, was my, uh, you know, first love. And uh, that's really where I got my start at. Um, we uh, wound up... Uh, getting a, a 1980 Pontiac Trans Am, the mm-hmm. black and gold, just like the Smoking the Bandit car. Okay. Uh, when I was 13. Wow. And okay. uh, yeah, my dad, had, he, I, I, I pestered him for it. <laughs> we were going to a monster truck rally and, and at our friend's house and he opened his garage and there it was sitting and it was <laughs> covered in layers of dust and there was oh. cat footprints all over it. And from that point on, I had to have that car. <laughs> it was a barn find. Oh, that's amazing. That's, yeah, that, it starts out young, especially, you know, when we have an influence on that type of um, what kind of cars they had back then. Because like you said, they had to fix their own cars back then. Mechanics weren't a dime a dozen as they are nowadays because you have the dealerships. Well, you always had the dealerships, but it was hard to find uh, a reliable garage back then because you had to do a lot of things yourself. Right. So having that know-how actually helped innovate the auto, automotive industry and you know it got a little bit 
uh, more intense and more computerized now. Now you actually have to take it back to the dealership. But we'll get into more of that later. So, but you did go to schooling for upholstery, right? I did. I went to Wyoming Tech in Laramie, Wyoming uh, to learn auto upholstery. And I graduated uh, second in my class and uh, have an associate's degree in auto upholstery. Okay. And uh, basically, I decided I was going to give this a go right away after, after school, open my own business, become an entrepreneur, and, um, you know, see how that worked out. Uh, I figured I was young enough. I was, I was 20 at the time, you know, and uh, I figured if it didn't work out, I, I was young enough to go do something else. Okay. But uh, it worked out. <laughs> it worked out, and you're still doing it to this day. So you, you've seen the value of actually investing in yourself, you know, right out of college. Or actually, before you went to college, you already knew what you kind of wanted to do. And you weren't afraid to take that step, especially going to Wyoming. Is there anything else in Wyoming besides this auto upholstery thing? Because the only thing I re- realize out there is a lot of planes and um, buffalo and elk. Yeah, elk. yeah. Well, uh, Yellowstone National Park is in Wyoming. Uh, it's on the western part of Wyoming. We, I was on the eastern part. Um, but there's a lot of rodeo that goes on out there. Um, but a lot of our free time that we spent uh, when we weren't in school, uh, we, we headed to the mountains. Okay. Uh, we did hiking and, and just some traveling around out there to kind of see the sights while we were there. And uh, yeah, just experience it. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty cool, especially taking a chance of going out there. And, well, how did you find the school to actually do upholstery work? You know, I know they have some vocational schools that are related to high schools and some colleges out there, but to find a specialty like that, how did you come across that? Well, uh, I actually saw an ad for it on a TV commercial. Uh, my dad and I, we'd, we'd watch uh, shows about cars okay. on, on, uh, on Sunday after Sunday dinner. Uh, and uh, on these restoration shows that we would watch, you know, they would have advertisements for uh, different things that were in that business. And uh, this school was one of them that advertised. And uh, they actually had a, a recruiter come to our area. And uh, I went to, you know, see the recruiter where he was at and uh, signed up from there. Oh, nice. Okay. So you got out there, you did, you know, you did your schooling, you learned your craft, you knew what you needed to do to start your trade and whatnot. Then you come back to where, where you're living now in Pennsylvania and you, you open up a shop, right? Right. Okay. So now we have your shop here. And now how many cars do you actually work on, let's say, within a year? I know it varies a lot depending on, of course. It really varies. Uh, with doing any kind of, of, of custom work or restoration work, there's a lot of time involved and invested in, in these interiors to make sure that they're, they're perfect and the quality is up. And uh, if it's restoration work, you know, it has to be factory in the way that it came from the factory. So there's, there's a lot of time involved with those. Um, a typical restoration job, a full interior could take upwards of a month or a little bit more okay. um, to do that. But I also do general repair. Uh, so truck seats that have a, the worn out side of the cushion, I fix that. Um, and I do a lot of uh, convertible tops installations. And, uh, you know, that I use that as, you know, filler in between, between things. <laughs> uh, but it, it, I stay very, very busy. Okay. Well, Especially with that, you know, you're, you're taking on these big projects and whatnot. Like, you, let's go back to the classic car. Sure. I, I, I'm 
you know, just recently diving into the classic car because I'm actually more of a tuner person myself. Um, and cars, and I like I like them to go fast. I like turning and all that stuff. And of course, I've we've all watched the Fast and the Furious, and you know that just ignited it even more. But now going backwards and seeing American Muscle and you know the cars from back then, how do you rate their quality their quality um, craftsmanship to that to some of the stuff that you see like nowadays that you're doing the pairs on? Uh well, I think cars back then weren't built as well as they are today. Okay. Um, the older cars, they didn't have, they weren't, they weren't very safety minded at the time. They didn't have the mass amount of drivers on the road either True. Uh, at the time. Uh, but, you know, it's a progression. You know, you're, you're talking about cars that were, you know, started back when driving was popular. Most people back in the 50s maybe had one car per household. You know, now True. people have two, three cars per household. Um, but the build quality back then, although they were made of, of steel and, and, you know, the styling was, was beautiful back then, the build quality was, was quick, you know, to get it off of the assembly line and, and get them out. They were a production vehicle. Right. Now, when okay. we get into restoration work, we tend to make them nicer than what they initially were with the quality we spend more time working on uh, the auto body portion of it and you know making sure that there's the bodies are nice and straight and smooth and all the gaps on the doors line up uh so there's more quality goes into restoring them now than actually did when they were made <laughs> well you brought up an excellent point with that the more reason um that people are actually looking at this and uh looking into this more is because when you're taking that time of that type of quality and you're actually putting it into the car, that also increases the car's value now, right? It does. Yes. So, like you found that bar fine, your Pontiac Trans Am and whatnot, and you're putting your tender love and care into it now. They don't make them anymore. Let's let's start there. And now you're putting all that extra into it uh, to make it look better, to make it more comfortable and whatnot. Have you seen or noticed that the car value go up? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the values are uh, on the upward trend, uh, especially for for late seventies cars and nineteen eighties cars. Uh, the value is climbing, um, and I think a lot of that is in part um, the kids that were young back then, and those were popular. You know, they're in their forties now and have a little disposable income, and they want to relive their their youth and their actively hunting these these vehicles out and you know fixing them up and that that drives the price up on them okay yeah because honestly they don't make them anymore and you got to find them and you're gonna you're gonna pay more money for them especially if you want that car so we know we have that and that's what brings us in the car collection you know i talk about a lot on this show is how it's going to make more money for you car collecting is no differently because um personally do personally you do it I know, and uh, I'm starting to get into that, into the restoration. But for the average listener, for the listeners out there that don't know anything about this, they can actually go find a car that was 60s, 50s, 50s on up. Everything's out there on the internet. Sure. If you want to do it. But when we look at that, we also have to look at how much money we're willing to invest in that, in that car. And, you know, car parts nowadays aren't cheap. And I'm sure how between, the last five years, how have you, how can you describe 
the auto parts industry. Oh, the parts have gone up and up and up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what I what I could buy five years ago has, has kind of skyrocketed <laughs> in today's <laughs> prices. Uh, but yeah, I mean everything is up, and the cost of living's up, and you just got to roll with it. <laughs> everybody's in the same boat. <laughs> uh, everybody's in the same boat. You're right about. And on top of that, there's more demand for these cars. There is. Because now people don't want to put the money into restoring it. They just want to buy it to own it. And like like we were talking about before, is like they want to feel like they're 16, 17. Right. The emotional value. It, um, I mean, that's really what drives you know people to buy these older cars and fix them. Uh, it's, it's the emotional value. And uh, you know, the monetary value that goes along with that is is nice, you know, when it comes time to sell. Oh, definitely, because you get your you know, nobody has a, well, I'm sure there are people out there that have vast amount of storage and keeping all these cars and maintaining them. So you don't have to constantly put higher money into it. You know, it's good to sell. Let's talk like way back in the fifties and sixties when cars were actually there and there weren't that many out there. People bought and sold cars like they were a dime a dozen, like playing cards. Right. You know, that's, that's one of the things that, intrigued me about that era is you know somebody would have like a dirt bike or um a better car or anything you would you would either you would trade for right am i right sure yeah a lot of trading went on uh, my dad would always tell me stories he liked uh 56 chevys and uh he'd go to he'd see one sitting in somebody's yard and he'd go rap on the door and this was probably around 1970 or so and they tell him just get it out of the yard you know it was <laughs> Cars back then, unless you were an enthusiast, were just used cars. Right. You know, they weren't really collector's value back then. And he would get 55 Chevys. He had 55, 6, 7 Chevy Nomads, convertibles. Uh, he had Novas. And, uh, you know, all, all those cars, they were just used cars back then because everybody wanted the newest and latest and greatest. Right. And you could get that stuff really reasonable. And and oh. he, he had a lot of it through the years. And, uh, you know, sometimes he'd change cars weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was more or less back then. It was uh, it's like, well, what kind of car can I get this week? Or how can I get that car? Uh, like you were saying, but everybody wanted the latest, greatest. That's because I'm no, if you notice throughout the trends, they changed so many, so many things on the cars from year to year. Instead of waiting every five years now to get a right. new model out of something. Um, back then, it's like you knew what a six what a 65 Pontiac GTO looked like towards a 68, 69, 70. Right. You know, that, that we're going from a boat size car here. That was like a Cadillac down to um, a middle size car, like from a Chevelle or a Malibu. And honestly, if somebody's kind of wondering about these comparisons, you can actually Google these. And there's a lot of beautiful pictures out there um, about any of these makes and models. Cause there's people that take care of them and buy them, or we can actually go into, into the auctions. You know, Barry Jackson's huge, Meckham's use, you know, you have the Philadelphia Car Show and mm -hmm. countless other ones out there. And that brings us into our house. And, you know, I drool over some of the cars that are on. Oh, yeah. There's some beautiful, beautiful vehicles that go through those auctions. Um, and uh, those auctions, they tend to, you know, drive the price in the collector's market. Uh, everybody watches these auctions and, you know, all the high quality vehicles go through them to try to get top dollar. And they do. And uh, that that's another thing that really drives the prices in, in the market is, is what people are seeing happen at these auctions. 
That's, yeah, and we see uh, we also have the car shows. We spoke about car shows now. More there's more car shows out there now, and car networks out there now that specialize in this um, this sector. That uh, for the hobbyists or the, the true enthusiasts um, and giant car collectors, uh, they they want to know what's out there, what's good, what's bad. And, you know, it's a it's an ever evolving type of industry. You know, well, this will give you a little bit better turning, or this will give you a little bit more torque or bottom end to make the give you more power or, or even speed. So there's countless and infinite possibilities for any type of car out there now. Yeah, yeah there really are. And you know, bringing with that is the interiors. A lot of going back to that era, there's not a lot. There's very few options with colors with type with the. Uh, styles and trims and all that. Yeah, I mean, you had you had a fair amount of options in in, in the fifties when it when it came to uh, you know colors and and, and, and trim, uh, and mostly you know patterned cloths. There was a lot of different patterned cloths, which in in today's vehicles that's not really that popular. A lot of times, mostly what's popular now is, is uh, leather interiors mm-hmm. in current cars, and so that's one way things have have really changed. Uh, people really like to have, you know, the feel of, of soft leather in their car. Except when it's like a hundred degrees outside and you try to sit on it. I don't know if people have tried that lately or not, but that's <laughs> not, a, that's not comfortable. Well, mod- the magic of modern miracles here that they now have air conditioned seats. That's well, a thing. That is actually a thing now. Wow. Yeah. You paid to yeah, keep heat- your bum cold. Volvo come out with, with heated seats and, uh, now we have uh, air conditioned seats as well. <laughs> uh, it's it, well, I guess it's an extra option that they can build into the price of a car now. That it is, it's you know, it. it I, is. I have no words for that. It, it, it makes it a little <laughs> harder to work on those type of seats. Uh, they do require special foams and materials to do repairs with uh, because they are air conditioned. So the foam uh, has perforations in it. It's like a mesh weave type of foam to let the, the cool air blow up through it. Uh, there are mechanisms in the seat that, that do generate the, the cool air okay. and, and blow it up through the seat. Um, the leather that's on the seat is usually a perforated leather also to allow that, that cool, the coolness out. Wow. I never really took notice of that. I thought that was all just leather instead of little holes in it. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's, those are good fun facts to find out. Sure. Definitely. So now that we're talking about this, uh, what do you see? What do you think? What got, I know what got you into the cars, but what's keeping you into the car realm? I always, I, I, I'm, it's just what I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> I love cars. Uh, I, I, I play with my cars that I have. Uh, and I love when customers bring cars in because I'm always working on something different. Uh, it's never really the same thing over and over again. Uh, you know, currently I'm working on a, a, a 66 Chevelle uh, convertible and I'm installing a convertible top on that. And then I also have uh, a 47 Studebaker pickup truck that I'm working on that's getting a full interior. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a, a vast difference between those two cars uh, of age and style and... <laughs> Yeah. And, and just how they're put together, you know. So I, I like the challenge, and I like I like uh, the diversity of it. That's yeah. You can't get more 
diverse and go from a pickup truck down the, right down over to a convertible next. Right. You know, out of all the vehicles that you worked on, I'm sure there's been quite a few, but what is the worst vehicle, worst put together vehicle that you ever had to work on? Ooh. <laughs> That's a hard one. I have one. to think on that one. Because <laughs> usually by the time I, I see the vehicles, you know, they, they've already gone through the restoration process. All right. Um, mostly. Um, but I, I did have a, uh, a 53 Chevy. Uh, it was a two-door sedan. Mm-hmm. And that thing, whoever put it together, you know, it, it was really an amateur job. Um, I pulled the seats out and there was holes in the floor that weren't patched properly. Some people, you know, just pop riveted some metal over top of some holes. And that's not the right way to do things. It's just going to re-rust out and it doesn't have any uh, structural integrity when you do things like that. Um, but I'd say that was probably the worst car. I mean, there was some other you know issues with it where people tried to make panels to fit and, and it was just kind of cobbled together. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That does, that sounds like a wonderful car to actually have to drive around in. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think it, it was very safe when it's, when your floorboards are, you know, compromised like that, you know, to be able to bolt your seat to it and, and sit comfortably and, and not worry about, you know, breaking through. <laughs> <laughs> well, that gives uh, the Fred Flintstone effect, if you will, with yeah. the open, with the open floor and free air conditioning that blows up afterwards. Yeah, you definitely get free air conditioning. <laughs> <there. laughs> yeah, maybe a light show if the metal sparks. You know, yeah. you, you get a light show as long as well with it. So, but as we talk about the the auto industry and what cars can actually do with this, we were like on cars dramatically in this day and age to get from point A to point B. And on top of that, everybody needs to get somewhere fast. That's yes. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's, it's for certain, you know, the world has definitely sped up uh, since, you know, cars became popular. So how do you think the old, the older cars, the classic cars are keeping up with being on a roll with, with today's cars? Uh, they can handle it quite well. Um, it's just that uh, going fast isn't the problem. It, it's the suspension for the the, the turning and making uh, you know holding the road on 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 turns in traffic. Uh, that that's the only thing where there can be some improvement. And luckily, um, if you're not looking for 100% original car, which most people out, out there are into modifying things, I think. Uh, you know, upgraded suspensions and upgraded motors uh, now are, are really popular. Um, to have, a, a say, a, a 70 Chevelle, you know, and then you put all modern suspension on that's specifically designed for that car by, by builders. You can go buy kits now mm-hmm. and put modern suspension on, modern braking on, uh, and you could make that car handle like a brand new car. Wow. And it's the best of both worlds. You have all the style of the, of the old car and all the handling and performance of a new car. Okay. Well, since they, if someone decides to change that, well, let me back up a couple seconds here. In the car collecting world, the prize possession of any car collector is a numbers matching car. Right. Which means that the numbers that are stamped on 
the VIN number, your VIN number, are stamped on your engine, on your transmission, on your rear, and on your frame. Am I right? Right. Correct. Okay. So when we start, but they're they're like the holy grails, and you want to keep those more as original as possible. You do when you find them, and they're getting exceedingly rare, uh, just because of the age of things now. You, it's hard to have a car where nobody had their hands in it over the years. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Numbers matching vehicles, you kind of want to restore those, uh, you know, the way they were factory and keep everything together. Uh, cause that's really where the value lies in those. Uh, but definitely for cars that aren't numbers matching, uh, I'm under the opinion of, uh, modifying it, you know, to make it how you want to have it is okay. Okay. I'm definitely, but that's, these questions are if you're if someone's out there looking for a, a project car or something to invest in or a car that you know wants to relive a part of their 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 youth, uh, these are these are the type of questions you need to ask because sure. these are all related to the price of the car. They are, yeah, yeah, and definitely if you're looking at the car buying a car for an investment, you're gonna first you know you want to look at like numbers matching type of vehicles because that's what's gonna hold its value, retain its value. Uh, it's going to go up in value over the years that you hold it. Um, that's that's really what you want to be looking at. Um, if you're looking at it just to relive your youth and you want to have a nice car to drive and have some fun, then you can, I would say, look at, at cars that have been modified a bit through the years or may not be numbers matching, but fairly stock. Um, that way you can still drive it and use it and put miles on it and not hurt the value of it. Right. Okay. That may, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, I bought I bought a project car not for to sit around. I, I bought one to drive. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure you drive yours quite regularly. I do. And you do. Yeah. And you enjoy them. That's what these cars are made for. Especially back then, they they made for to go fast and enjoy life. And you know, it's a lot of people, quite a few car collectors, even though they're the rare car, super rare cars like number like sequence numbers, you know, like right off the assembly line, they'll, they'll actually keep them with very low mileage, but put, but they, they maintain them and they drive them. But back then, like you said, these were everyday cars. No one knew that these cars were going to be worth a fortune, six figures plus on right. certain, certain cars. Yeah. Back when they were made, they were just transportation. And to think about this, to put this in perspective, a Chevelle back then was about five thousand dollars, a souped-up right. Chevelle. Right. Base models were what about twenty-eight hundred. About. But then again, we're talking. You're making thirty-five to fifty cents an hour for that. See, so yeah. and now today's cars, you can't get a car that's under thirty thousand dollars. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. <laughs> no matter what you try to do, you, it's very rare to find a car under thirty k. And even though it. You know, it has all the luxury. It has all this, all this, all the fancy computer. I'm going to say garbage because to me it's not garbage. <laughs> a, a computer should not be able to do all the stuff that they're supposed to do in a car. <laughs> <laughs> That's my personal opinion. If yeah. you don't like that, I would love to hear your comments on it. Um, yeah. And you can definitely email me at mcarter at legendaryproductsandservices.com. Definitely. I would love to have that conversation <laughs> uh, because cars are meant to be driven. They are, they yeah. are, and the whole as as things are modernized now, with, you know, with computers and 
people want the luxuries in their cars, like the heated seats and the air conditioned seats, and they want cruise control and, you know, all kinds of options. They want, you know, the telephones that hook up directly to it. They want navigation. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, what's kind of driving the industry forward. People want the luxury things in their cars um, because it's not just transportation anymore. It's, it's people's freedom is basically what, what, what cars boil down to. And they want all the creature comforts with their freedom. Uh, <laughs> but also with, with that, it, it comes uh, difficulty in working on. Uh, so you need special equipment to work on these vehicles, uh, especially with the advanced airbags um, and all the computer controls. And what is happening is uh, as the cars become more modern, uh, the dealers are basically the only ones that are able to work on them because they have the equipment. They're specially trained to work on them. The new Ford pickup trucks, uh, they're made out of aluminum. So if you get in an accident with one of those, uh, it has to go to a special body shop that only works on aluminum vehicles. Because if you contaminate the, the aluminum bodies on, on the pickup trucks with tools that you used on metal cars, the metal will get onto the aluminum and you can have uh, corrosion issues because of dissimilar metals. Uh, so that, that's another thing, you know, why, you know, th Man. things are, are getting a little difficult to work on. <laughs> Well, it's kind of what the audio auto industry wants to take it constantly take it back, and after a couple of years, they want it back, and so they can send you another one. Right. So much. But wow, yeah, we've talked quite a bit already, CJ. About you know, we went over some of your history. You know, why you got into the cars, which is amazing. You know that you grew up with cars. I have gone to car shows. We've yep. gone watch car show t car shows. Even the TV shows back then were all about cars. They were. Yeah. We can definitely talk about that in the second part. We'll get into some of the cool cars of, you know, um, our area of TV shows and how they actually influence influenced us on what we what we value and look at today. You know, we've talked a little even about uh, the the car industry as a whole as it started out with less features, more more uh, just getting them out the line so people can buy them. That but to now we're everything's a luxury everything's like all all built in with our lovely computers and everything computerized control and people that can't drive now have the opportunity to drive because the car actually does all the safety stuff for them instead yep. of them doing it themselves that's right so you know it's almost our first half of the show is already almost over wow Can you believe that, that already? and fast. we've talked about so many so many of these topics you know, I want to thank the listeners for tuning in and hopefully, you know, a lot of people are actually thinking about investing in cars. We're going to get more into investing cars after the break. So we're going to take a short break right now. And when we get back, we're going to talk about how to invest in the car. You know, we talked about a couple of the, the questions asked, but we'll get more into that in the second part of the show. Uh, to my listeners, thank you for tuning in and uh, stay tuned for the second part. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter. If you have any questions for Magnus or his guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Here is Magnus Carter. Hey everybody! Welcome back. Uh, this I'm your host, Magnus Carter. We're on the Making More Money for You show. Uh, today we're talking about cars, the car industry, some upholstery work, restoration. Uh, we talked about what some starting points look for in a project car. We're going to continue that discussion a little bit. Uh, with me, I have my my guest, CJ Young of the CJ Young Upholstery Shop. Uh, welcome back, CJ. Hi, great to be here. Yes, sir. Uh, before the even over the break, we were talking about a little bit of the cars that that defined an era. You know, we had the classic muscle cars of the 50s, well, from the 60s to the, close to the 80s. And we had the the, uh, the cruising cars of the 40s and 50s. And then in the 20s and 30s, we had the rat racers, you know, that, you know, they just wanted to go fast. They had hot rods. They had the hot rods. They had rat racers, you know. Um, a lot of movies and a lot of, American culture revolves around the car. If you think about it, you know, way back then, even uh, as it was going on, the movies that were coming out, you know, we have Steve McQueen with the Fords. We had the Mustangs. We have American graffiti. Well, that was a big one. That was a big one. There was like so many actors and so many cars in that. Uh, I think the cars were bigger stars than some of the stars that actually came out of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of us go back and we want to relive our, those days and, by doing that is by cars by going to car shows and you know watching the, the auctions and whatnot so out of all of these things that we talked about you know what type of nostalgia things that you like to uh, like to do to uh to relive some of those those days yeah uh well i'm an 80s child <laughs> so i wasn't really around back then but but really those were the glory days of, of cars um and uh I would always uh, go to car shows 
I went to a lot of car shows and a lot of cruise-ins and cruise nights. Um, and just to be, you know, part of that culture. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it gets you out, you take your car, you go for a nice ride and you meet up with other like-minded individuals and have great conversations. And, uh, you know, talk about cars, buy cars, buy parts. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you know, I, I go to those quite a bit now too. And, just to see what they did with their cars and see what I can do with mine or maybe it won't fit or won't match and uh, their experience on the car because a lot, actually quite a few people out there when they go to these car shows, they still have the original car. Yeah, they do. They weren't forced to sell it for whatever reason, Uh, whether it was family related or external circumstances, they kept their car, you know, and it's original, it's an original car with the original owner. uh, And it has, that much sentimental value to them that they're still driving it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing (laughs) when you, when you think about it and you you hear a lot of different stories about what people did with their cars over the years, Uh, you know, vacations and trips. And uh, just actually this past weekend uh, uh, was uh, the ocean city cruising. And uh, I wasn't able to attend this year, but um, you know, it, it draws in, you know, thousands of cars and, uh, you know, they have parades on the boardwalk and, uh, cruising through town and, uh, it, it's three lanes wide down there and they, they wow. run them side by side, both directions. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. We're not, well, I've been to that one a couple times over the years and we're not talking just a small area here, uh, folks, we're talking people that come across all the Eastern seaboard and even some from out West that go to this, uh, just to see friends and see other cars and, uh, car clubs. That's another, right. You know, functionality is a whole bunch of cars that have the same make a model car can join a car club. Uh, and they're like minded individuals that become friends over, over a lot of, a lot of time. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a pretty good, uh, you know, Thing to be into you know the the culture that's involved with with collecting cars and being in it um yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like you were saying with the culture and whatnot you know some people a lot of listeners out there like to do kind of this stuff and my main point about the show is how it can actually make more money for you um because it's often overlooked is what our car can actually do for us uh, especially older cars like that even if you take uh car that you find somewhere that's in the middle of a field and or in a barn somewhere or a shed or you know even one of those estate sales that people go to and buy these things you know they put some money into it and they can actually turn around and sell for a profit but it it depends on the individual if they're willing to make the uh, initial investment right it is uh and it it is a great money-making opportunity um, you know, getting a, a collector car. I mean, how else can you make money and have fun with it all at the same time? You know, you buy a car and you could have fun working on it, right? you know, and you could have fun going to cruise nights and you can put a sign in your window and sell it at one of the cruise nights. Uh, you know, and, and for me, that's, that's, that's really making your money work for you. Uh, being able to invest it in something and still use it and and have some fun with it before you move it on. Exactly. And 
while you're doing this, you're connecting with a lot of different people out there. So you're building on a network of people they've talked to about either on the internet or in person or these shows and you make these friends. It's like, well, I know someone that might be looking for that. And then, you know, you can actually possibly be the middleman there and maybe they'll get you a finder's fee. Maybe they won't get you a finder's fee, but they might, but in the end they'll owe you a favor. <laughs> at least, at least a favor to sure. for, for that aspect of it. You know, it's, it's, more or less the challenge of it. I find it challenging to find the parts for a car. Yeah. It, it, it's really like a treasure hunt. You know? <laughs> that, that's what's also appealing about it. You know, it, 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 it's the wanting something and then going to try to find it. And uh, you know, then the satisfaction when you finally do find that part that you need to, to finish your car. Oh, you yeah. know? Or, it's a good accomplishment. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm in this culture myself, I recently bought a, a project car <laughs> and it was actually, uh, actually off of CJ here that yep. I bought. <laughs> and I remember the day you brought it home because we actually did go to school together. Yeah. I remember when you brought it home, it's like, you want to sell it. I was like, never. Yeah. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to, fa- we're going to fast forward that about 20 years later is like, I need help with a computer. Okay. Well, what are, what are you going to do with that uh, car years? It's like, uh, I'm thinking about selling it. I'm like, are you now? Mm-hmm. So like you said, it is a treasure hunt. It is. If you wait for the right opportunity, it will present itself. So with that said, we can go over some of the questions to ask somebody when they're actually looking to get into this or actually, you know, attempt to get into this to see if it's actually what they want to do. Sure. So one question is, is like, what year is the car? Yeah. Uh, you definitely got to gotta know, you know, a little bit of history on, on, on what you want to purchase. Uh, so I would suggest, you know, if you want, you know, you're interested in, say, Trans Ams, Firebirds, you know, do some research on them, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, some market value are for, for the different years and the different uh models and generations of, of the car that there are, um, you know, so you can kind of make an educated, you know, offer uh, when you are looking at a, at a car. Okay. That definitely the history, the car, how many owners has it have? You know, right. Yeah. That, that's, that's an important one. Uh, but for me, it's not really, you know, a deal breaker if it's changed hands a bunch of times. Um, it just, it, it, the only time that would make a difference to me, uh, if it changed hands a bunch of times as if it was highly modified or, or it was changed a lot over okay. the years. Uh, it's like, well, what did they do to it? You know, and how much stuff is hidden that I can't see, you know? Because uh, when you're dealing with, with older cars, I'm, you know, the 40, 40 and 50 years old cars and 60 year old cars, I mean, they're g- going to have a long history. They do. They have they have quite a story to tell, and you won't know that story until you start taking it apart. Right. And the proper way to restore it is to strip it all down and build from scratch. Even if it does look good, you don't know what's hiding behind it. Am I right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you could have people out there who are just flippers, basically, who will buy an old car and just like make it look presentable enough to sell, but not do things the right way. Mm. Um, they're they're out for a quick buck. They're not out for, uh, you know, the hobby. 
basically. Um, so you got you got to watch, you know, what you're looking at, and that's that brings me back to like you want to really do your research on on vehicles, uh, so you know what they should have on them, what they should look like, and uh, you know what what quality to expect. Well, while you're doing research on that, you can actually look at what kind of parts. If you do find a car kind of car that you're interested in, well, even a brand of car, because a lot more brands are more readily available aftermarket parts sure. than other ones. Pontiac, eh, not so much. Right. I was, I was looking at a 58 Pontiac station wagon uh, to buy. I wanted to restore it. And uh, as I started doing some more research, I mean, the car was a nice car, but, you know, it was old and it was, you know, in a garage for, you know, 20 years and sitting, you know. And as I started looking into it more, uh, just to find out what it would cost to restore and get a, get an idea, uh, I found that parts are not available for that car. Um, it had an, uh, a factory air ride suspension, and you couldn't buy the parts for it. So I would have been having to look to have an aftermarket frame built for it and all aftermarket suspension built for it uh, just to get that car back on the road, and it, it really wasn't worth it. Wow. Okay. That's duly noted because uh, there's a lot of companies out there that do specialize in man- remanufacturing the original parts because they own, you know, the rights and what to it, uh, just like the Pontiacs there. But some of the some of the cars that are more prevalent out there that are that were mass produced back then that people bought were uh, the Chevy Nova, the Chevy Chevelle, the Ford Mustang. Most definitely. Right. Mustangs, you can, at part swap meets, you can actually throw a rock and hit a, hit a Mustang part. Well, the uh, Chevelles and Mustangs and Camaros um, and some Chrysler products are so popular in the aftermarket that you could actually build a brand new car from scratch and not have to have an original car. Um, They reproduce the bodies. Right. Uh, You can buy a brand new body for a Mustang, uh, like a 60, 69 Mustang. You can buy a brand new body for a Chevelle. You can buy all brand new suspension and new frame and, and everything's made aftermarket uh, that you don't need original parts to build them anymore. And no. then you'd, you'd have to have uh, um, a title made uh, from uh, the body supplier. Uh, they'll give you a, a certificate of origin and you'll have to have it titled in your state. Oh, no, yeah. I didn't know they did that. Oh, the kit cards, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they still... So yeah, that's that's an option if you you just want to go and build one. You know, you can actually just go buy it and put it together yourself. Yeah, because I know Ford still does car. that. Ford Ford does that in reproductions with Shelby plant. Right. When I was out in Las Vegas, I got the tour to Shelby plant. That's that's very amazing what they do there. I'm not a Ford person for myself, but what they do at that plant and how they manufacture all those cars, you can actually get all the way down to an original Cobra. It will sure. reproduce a cobra. Yep. Which is a, that's just amazing that they can actually you'll you'll pay for it. Don't get me wrong, you're gonna pay for an original oh, cobra. Very uh, expensive. Very expensive. You're looking about at least 125k plus. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just the basic stuff. And then you want an engine, add another 40 grand on it. So it's yeah, it it can be. The investment can skyrocket really quick, depending on what options you want to put in. I have definitely found that out myself. Uh, 
I'm fortunate because another thing that we talked about before is number matching cards. I was, I'm very fortunate, or yeah, I'm looking at it as fortunate that I can, I don't have a matching card, so I, I can actually build the card the way I want it to perform. Right. Yeah, you can put your modern suspension on. Yep. You know your modern brakes, and you know it can act just like a brand new vehicle and have all the styling of the old vehicle. Exactly. Um, like uh, I have a '70 Chevelle, and that's modified for the most part, but it still is on its factory suspension. And just going into turns, you know, there's a lot of body roll and you know sway in it. You know, and it's not very tight when you turn the steering wheel. You know, like you know, everybody's used to with, with modern cars and uh, all that can be corrected with, with new modern parts. Yeah. I remember <laughs> driving, actually learning to drive with that, that lovely, that lovely plane, the steering wheel that. Oh, like, that was oh, great. Wait, okay. Wait, <laughs> oh, wait, let me turn the left, the left one another way a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I first got that Chevelle, it, uh, it was four wheel drum brakes, manual drum brakes, oh my. manual steering. So there was no power assist on anything. And I was driving downtown. I was going down the mountain and I push on the brakes and the, and the drum brakes weren't uh, set up properly. <laughs> oh, and yes. the right side would grab first and it would jerk the car to the right. And then the left side would kick in and then it'd go back to the left. And it was an adventure trying to drive that thing until we, you know, upgraded everything and got it, got it, you know, working up the spec. Not only did you drive, you got to work out with these cars. You sure did. <laughs> Without power steering or anything? Yep. Oh. Making a making a right-hand turn, you'd be using all both of your hands and possibly your passenger to help you turn the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a that, you know, that's but that was way the way it was back then. Yeah. You know, we didn't have those conveniences. Back back in the 60s and 70s, air conditioning was worth more than an upgraded engine. It was. It was by a couple hundred dollars more. That I, I remember seeing that on the spec sheet for that. Because even when you do decide, if you do decide to get uh, into this, you can actually there's um, agencies and firms out there that you can actually with the VIN number, you can actually go back and get the original build sheet to these cars and build it to spec. Yep. Find out what all options was original on it, and uh, you know what, what they were. Uh, what they came with from the factory and you could re, you know, reproduce it and put it right back. And with today doing that, to add value to the car, today's cars are still skyrocketing because we're not getting any new cars. Right. So even, and people want older cars now because it doesn't have all those new fancy things that they're just meant to drive. They're bringing them out more now so they can enjoy it, which is, really nice because the weather is nice now and the cars are coming back out yeah yeah you know i i like driving down down a highway and you see this car just fly past you and it's like well what kind of car was that i know it was red but what kind of red it was, was it red <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah with, with modern styling it, it's hard to tell them apart you know yeah that's one thing they did back then i i i enjoy the engineering that went into the car back then because they made each car its own identity and its own personality. They were all unique. You know, they made, maybe they'll, they'd made a run of, of maybe two or three years where they reused the same body, but they always changed grills and bumpers and, and made them, you know, each model year stand out from the next and be different. And that was how they sold cars. I mean, 
people couldn't wait to see what the new models looked like. They'd line up at the dealerships and wait for the curtains to open on, on the main windows to see what the new yeah. cars looked like. And a lot of people actually bought bought those cars because and they didn't know what they looked like until the day they actually released them. Yeah. You know, and that, that brings into the rarity factor of, of purchasing one of these cars because they didn't. They didn't make a, a lot of these cars. There's maybe two, maybe three thousand of one type of car with a certain set of options, and then another set, like five thousand of another one. You know that if you go back and look at those numbers, that increases your value it because does. over the years cars got destroyed. They got repo. They got you know whatever happened to the cars. That number, say it's like twenty five, twenty five hundred cars. Now you're down to like 1,200 cars of that make with those those specs on it. Right. You know, you're double, triple your your uh, your investment. Yeah, it definitely it. makes them more rare uh, just because of, of the survivor rate. Uh, you know, because like we said, back then they were just used cars. So they'd get traded in, they'd uh, get sent to the scrapyard to be recycled. And, and just because they were old, you know, they might have worked perfectly fine. Um, but people just got rid of them because they wanted a new model. Right, they wanted to see what that next new model came out look right. like. That's uh, when things were things were exciting, you know, <laughs> and, and people just couldn't wait for the the new cars to be released. No, that that excitement, and to that excitement, it still carries on because those those kids and those teenagers and you know prior family members that had those cars now have the money, now live their lives, and now they're going back to it like we said before. Right, and now they're actually searching for these cars they're searching hardcore which makes it even easier for the person to go well not really easier but more resources available because of the internet right and they can actually go and find this car exactly what they wanted it had the power seats it had power windows and the air conditioning and whatnot for back then they can actually go back and find that even the color yeah yeah the internet really made everything uh easier for for hunting down old cars and and car parts uh, you're able to draw from a bigger area and, uh, you know, to find this stuff. Um, I had a, uh, a 56 Chevy Nomad and, uh, it was a project car and I wasn't going to complete it. And I decided to sell it and, uh, I listed it on the internet and I sold it to a gentleman from California. And like I said, I'm in Pennsylvania. So he sent uh, a car hauler for it okay. and he picked it up and took it back to California. I mean, and that, that that's a pretty amazing thing, <laughs> you know, can, you know, that the internet does does for the hobby. Uh, otherwise, you know, I would have been trying to uh, sell it basically locally, which mm. really uh, kind of restricts um, the amount of people that are were looking at my ad or looking at the car. Uh, and this way, I was able to uh, basically, you know, make some money and, and get top dollar for the car uh, because I expanded, you know, the area that I was advertising. Wow. CJ, can you believe that the show's already pretty much over? We've already talked almost an hour about cars, and wow. we barely scratched the surface of how to in invest in this car. We might have to come back and do this again. We might have to. We're going to have to expand this. But until then, uh, if someone needs your services and is in the process of restoring a car, how can we reach you? Sure. Um, you can reach me at my website. Uh, it's uh, cjsautoupholstery.com. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, it could also be uh, reached by phone at the shop. It's uh, 570-875-3725. Uh, 
uh, and that's a landline for my my workshop here. Uh, and like I said, I do all kind of uh, custom upholstery work or general repair, and uh, also uh, regional restoration work. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in, CJ. Thank you for your time. I can't believe how fast this went by. Just talking about a little bit of the car and car restoration and how a car will actually make more money for you. Um, I can't believe. You know, we're we may have to extend this. Um, we'll see how this goes on. Maybe get you back on the show again. Sure. Um, I had a great time. Thanks for having me on, Magnus. Absolutely. Well, that's for this week's show. But for next week, we I have a special guest to you. He's no, you know, very familiar and very well known in the world of podcasting. Next week, we will have Brasco from the King of Podcasting on talking about social media. So it's going to be an entertaining thing. And it is actually time. Thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to the next show where we will be making more money for you. Until then, have a fantastic week.